Um, the title of the message tonight is A Contagious Faith That Is Noticeable. A Contagious Faith Faith That Is Noticeable. It's going to go a little bit in line with what Pastor had preached on Sunday morning. Um, on having a faith that other people want to imitate. Um, usually when we think of the word contagious, we think of the negative, right? We think of a disease. We think of sickness. And, uh, and we think of protecting ourselves from getting sick. Um, we want to we protect ourselves. We don't want to be near somebody who has been sick. We don't want to shake their hands or or anything like that. We want to, like, you know, put rubber gloves on and a mask like, like what's on the um, slide and, and say, stay away, I don't want to get sick, I don't want to get infected. Uh, uh, the, we sometimes think of uh, being sick and, and, and look at that in a good light, the prospect of being sick at least. We think of being able to stay home from work and sleeping in and uh, watching the prices right, and um, all that stuff, being away from work, being away from responsibilities. Uh, but it rarely, rarely turns out that way, right? We usually spend more time in the restroom than in bed, and we end up wishing that we were at work, wishing we had all those responsibilities, because it'd be a whole lot better than whatever it is we're going through, uh, being sick. And that's usually how we think of the word contagious, but contagious can be a good thing. Uh, maybe you've heard... Um, um, it being said that somebody has a contagious smile or a contagious demeanor, and, and when you're around them, you almost can't help but smile along with them. Their countenance is of a good countenance, and, um, and it just seems to be contagious, seems to be infectious, or um, somebody might have a contagious um, attitude, a positive or an optimistic attitude. And they're always thinking in, in positive light, being optimistic and thinking about the better side of things. And, and so around them, it's hard to be negative. It's hard to be um, down the dumps. It's hard to, to uh, be thinking on the negative side of things because their attitude is so contagious and it seems like, you know, we're catching it. Um, tonight, I want to talk about having a lifestyle that causes others to take notice. Um, that aspect of our lives ought to be the starting point um, as we search deeper into the prospect of impacting other people for Christ. Um, introducing other people to Jesus, seeing them develop, seeing them discipled, is one of the key functions of the church. It's the last thing that Christ um, told the church before he sent into heaven. He said, go and preach. And, and teach all nations and baptize them um, and teach them to observe all things. Um, and that ought to be the goal of every single um, Christian. But that starts by having a contagious faith that other people can notice. It starts out um, by having um, the kind of faith, the kind of testimony, the kind of impact on other people that they want the faith that we have. Uh, I want you to think about something that you have seen somebody else do that really made an impression on you. Something that you witnessed somebody um, do on television or in purpose or, or, or on TV. And when you saw that, you were so impressed 
that it made you want to try it. You, you did that, and you're like, man, that's really cool. I really like that. I, w- I wish I could be able to do that. And you set out on a journey to maybe accomplish that task. Uh, for me, uh, or I've, I've heard of stories, this might be your story, of uh, kids who've seen magic on TV. They've seen a magic show on television, or they went to in person and saw a magician do a magic show. And I've heard the stories of kids that they... That, that they, they were so impressed, and it was so cool, and made such an impact in their life. They said it, they went to the store, and they got themselves a little magic kit. Maybe their parents bought them a little magic kit, and they went home, and they learned to do these magic tricks, learned to do the illusions. And, and as they mastered those tricks, and they graduated up and did better tricks, and now they're adults, and they're professional magicians, and they have shows, and they're making um, a living doing magic, and it all started with them just as a little kid watching somebody else do that. And they looked at it and said, man, I want to be able to do that. That's cool. Maybe for you it, it, was, um, it was something musical. Somebody You saw somebody play the piano or somebody play a guitar or another instrument like a saxophone or, or something like that, and you saw that, and you're like, man, that's, I wish I would, could be able to play that. You know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some lessons. And so at school, you signed up for the band or... Or you, or you got your parents to sign you up for lessons um, so that now you could be a professional at whatever that talent might be. Um, I asked this question to uh, uh, my Bible study class on, on Sunday, and one of the boys said, um, one thing that I saw that, I, that made me want to try was dunking a basketball. He saw a, a slam dunk contest and saw the guys do through the legs, 360 behind the back, um, th- you know, backflip, dunk, and said, man, I wish I would be able to do that. And so uh, go home and start doing the calf raisers and start working out the legs uh, so you can jump high enough to dunk a basketball. Um, when I think about that, for me, it, it's um, something that I saw on TV that I really wanted to do. I haven't made the step, taken the steps yet. Um, but about five or six years ago, I, was, I had some college students over at my house and uh, I think we were playing some games or something. And we got done. We were watching, turned the TV on. I was flipping through. And I saw something. And uh, we stopped and watched it. I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. And it was um, these uh, guys doing an obstacle course. They were being timed. Like, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. They're flying through the air and swinging on ropes and all this stuff. And then we watched it till the commercial. And then, all right, you know, let's go watch something else. And never, we didn't go back to it. Until about maybe a year or two later, I'm not sure how long, and I was at home myself flipping through the channels, and I saw this show again. And it was called American Ninja Warrior. And uh, I started watching it. I'm like, man, this is really cool. And so I set the DVR, and I started watching every episode. And uh, it's on uh, syndication, and so it goes, you know, you can watch it on a certain channel and watch previous years. So I've watched the previous years. And every time I watch American Ninja Warrior, I get done watching, I'm like, man, that's so cool. I, I want to try to run up the 14-foot warped wall. <laughs> You're like, what? A 14-foot warped wall. I'd love to try that. It's, it's, it looks so much fun. They're flying through the air. They're doing all kinds of cool stuff. I actually, uh, me and Brother Mike know a guy who actually competed on the show. He didn't make it on TV, but he did the course. And I, I talked to him about it. I said, man, that looks so much fun. I'd love to try it. And he said, you should try. He said, you should start training and, uh, and, and try out. So I go, you can just go to Oklahoma City and try out in a couple weeks if you wanted to. But 
That's never made a strong enough impact on me to give up my Dr. Pepper. Just has, has not yet. Hasn't made strong enough impact on me just yet to, to wake up early, that early in the morning and work out. Um, I get up early in the morning, but that's, you know, for a, for a job to get paid, not, not, not to work out and for exercise. Um, and unfortunately, that's how many, uh, many Christian lives um, are. Uh, many have seen our life, but it hasn't made an impression strong enough on them to say, hey, I want that. You know, they've been like me with American as you are. Hey, that's really cool. Hey, hey, that's neat. Hey, that's cool that you're living a Christian life. Hey, that's cool that you've um, decided to live for God. But it hasn't made a strong enough impact on their life yet that they say, hey, you know what? I want that in my life. Hey, I see what you have in your life, and I see the joy and the peace and, 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 and all that that it brings into your life, and I want that for me, so tell me how to get that in my life. Um, and, and, and that's kind of the point of tonight's message, is to live so that others can, will take notice of our faith. You really can't have much of a witness um, without a life of standards, though. Um, you know, you've heard the phrase, you have, to, um, you have to walk the talk, or your actions are so loud that I can't hear what you're saying, or Brother Tyler's favorite uh, form of the phrase, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. And, and we've heard those sayings, and they all basically mean the same thing, that our life speaks much more clearly and much louder uh, to those around us than our words do. That it is our life which we turn our attention to today. Uh, we recognize that the way a person gives volume to the message that they share is the way that they live it. You know, we can invite somebody, and we should. And we can tell somebody our gospel witness, and we should. But what's, what speaks much louder and much more clearly is the life that we live. And so I want to look at a couple of verses tonight that deal with the importance of living a life that causes others to take a look at us and to ponder. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 says this, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Walk in wisdom. Now that points to our lifestyle. It points to the way that we live, the way that we conduct ourselves, the way that we interact with one another, the way that we um, respond to conflict, the way that we respond to hardship, the way that we treat our employers and our employees and our friends um, and our family members. Uh, that is, you know, just how we live, how we conduct ourselves. That's what's meant when it says to walk in wisdom. And it says toward them which are, that are without. Toward them that are without. What is, what is Paul talking about um, right there? He's talking about those who are without Christ. Those are, who are without salvation. Those who are without the church, outside of the family of God who are without Christ in their life. 
And, and he says here that our lifestyle, our speech toward them that are without, toward them who are without Christ, ought to be seasoned with salt. That means that, that it ought to be uniquely different. We ought to be uniquely different than those around us. Whenever we eat something um, that is seasoned with salt, then we know that there's something special about, something different about that food. Something uh, that, that gives it an extra kick. Something that gives it a little bit extra taste. And sometimes we don't know exactly what it is. We can't quite put our finger on it. Uh, we could be eating something with 10 or 15 ingredients, and for some reason it just tastes a little dull. It just tastes a little plain. Think, how can it taste so plain? you got like 15 different things. I like three cheeses and, and two sauces and got all this stuff. How can it be plain? Because it's, it's, it's lacking a little bit of salt. It's lacking a little bit of seasoning. Um, when I think of seasoned with salt, the first thing that goes to my mind are French fries. The first thing that goes to my mind. Um, and, and you can have, eat a French fry that is not seasoned with salt. And it's just plain. And it's, it, it, it's not awful, per se, but it's just dull. It's just plain. It's just like, it just tastes like a fried potato. And, and, and you can throw a little bit of ketchup on there, but it doesn't really, I mean, it makes it edible, but it's still not that great. And Cindy says, absolutely not. It's not okay. But you take that same french fry, and you season it with a little bit of salt, and man, it transforms that french fry into something greater, and, 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 and you're thinking, man, now we're cooking a peanut oil right here. Now this is a french fry that I can eat. I don't need ketchup on it. It tastes so good. And our lives ought to be like that, too, as people look at our life, uh, and, and they look at how we respond to difficulty, they look at our reaction to temptation, they look at how we talk to others, how we interact um, in an, on an everyday basis, and they should see a pleasant difference. Uh, and, and they can't quite put their finger on it. They don't know exactly what our life has that their life doesn't, but they can tell there's something different. There's something a step above. There's, there's just something that, that makes it more palatable. And it might not jump out to people, but it's definitely noticeable. Saltiness basically means that people look at us and say, hmm, what is that? I know there's something different. I can't put my finger up, but what is that about them? There's something different. Um, I drive a, a school bus um, in the mornings. That's what I get up early to do. Um, in the mornings and sometimes in the afternoons. And uh, I feel that one of our bus aides out, out, at, the, out at the bus barn uh, lives this out very well. Um, she's a Christian lady. She um, goes to another church, um, another church in town. Um, but if you just talk to her, just see how she interacts with the other drivers and, and aides and see how she talks to the kids, you can tell there's something different about this lady. She, she hasn't told you. She, she, she doesn't broadcast it. She would never tell me that she goes to church. I didn't um, ask her. But I could tell that there was something different about this, um, about this lady. You know what? It's saltiness. Really, it's, you know, a, a, you know, according to what the Bible has to say, seasoned with salt. Just different. She, she interacts with, with others to where they look at her and say, what is it about her? And that ought to be part of, that ought to be um, uh, said about our lives. 
where other people look at how we live and they can't quite put their finger up, they can tell, hey, there's something different about that person. And here's the point, living with higher standards, because it's going to take higher standards in order for that, us to be seasoned with salt. And living with higher standards causes people to ask why. why. Why? Why are they different? I know that they're different, but why are they different? Why? Um, what is it about them that is different than my life? And whenever we live in that way, seasoned with salt, then others are going to ask why. The second verse I want you to look at is Matthew chapter number 5. You turn over to Matthew chapter number 5. Verse number 16, very popular verse, very well-known verse. It says in verse number 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, as, as, as Jesus um, was talking to his followers throughout the New Testament, throughout the Gospels, he challenged them not only to be salt, he also challenged them to be light to the world around them. And what was he talking about when he challenged his followers to be light? Was he talking about something verbal or, or something nonverbal? Clearly, he's talking about something that is nonverbal. In verse number 16, he, he, he explained that we let our light shine, how? By good works, by demonstrating good works. It's not our mouth that he was talking about here, although we should witness with our mouths. Jesus didn't say, let your light so shine that they may hear your good words or hear what you have to say. He said, let your light so shine that they may see your good works. We let our light shine toward those around us by our good works. His command here is to live in such a way that, that people look at us, uh, that, that as people look at us and they look at how we live and they look at how we we. Uh, um, conduct ourselves, they give thanks and credit toward God for what they see in our lives. You say, what, what do you mean by that? Okay, it says, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I think many times we may look at this verse and we may say um, that, and you may look at it and read it as though as others see our good works, we as the Christian glorify God in heaven. That's not what the verse is saying. What the verse is saying is that others may see our good works, and they may see that we're a Christian, they see that our light is shining, and then as a reaction to that, as a reaction to seeing our life and our light, they glorify God because of what we've done. They look at our life, and they say, hey, God has done something great in this person's life. Hey, God's done something different in this person's life. It's nothing that they have done. It's, it's, it's nothing of, of, of their own doing, of their decision, but it's God that is working in their life and making a difference in their life. Letting our light shine means people look at us and say, wow, God sure is doing something great in that person's life. I'm sure a, a similar testimony to be given could be given about many different people in here tonight, but... Um, as, I, as I read this, as I think about um, our light shining and other people looking at our life and, and knowing that God has done something different, I think of the story of, of Mike Puthers at Liberal High School and how um, uh, Coach Lori Navarro um, has given testimony of this herself and how 
Um, she was going to another church in town with her niece and her nephew, and, and she left one Sunday uh, during a service and said, man, this doesn't seem to be making a big difference in my life. Um, we're not really getting much out of the preaching, of the teaching here. So we've got to find something different. We've got to find a church that's going that's to uh, make a difference in our lives, she told her niece and nephew. So she began to think, what church could I go to that's going to make a difference? And as she began to think about that, she remembered a fellow teacher at the high school, a fellow coach, Coach Puthers. And, and, and through conversations with him and through seeing his life, she said, hey, there's something different about him. Hey, I, hey, whatever church he goes to, it's made a difference in his life. God's done something great through him and in his life, and, and I want to get in on that, and I want to go to that church. So she asked Coach, or maybe she'd already known, but she said, hey, he goes to Fellowship Baptist Church. And so she said, you know, I'm going to go try that church. And she came here, and she heard the gospel preached, and it, sure enough, it made an impact in her life. And, and, and not that first time, but she continued to come back and, and, and uh, uh, accepted Christ as her Savior. And, and it goes back to just somebody who was in his everyday routine, being light in the workplace. Just, just living his life in a way that other people observed and said, you know what? Whatever God has done in his life, I want that in my life. And that I, I know that, that many others could, could get, share that same testimony. I don't share that to lift um, Coach up at all, but, um, and, and he would never want me to. Uh, but just to, to show you that, that that ought to be our testimony. That ought to be the testimony of our life, where other people are observing the way that we interact with one another, and they, they're observing the way that, that we handle conflict, and they're observing the way that we communicate toward one another. And they look at our life and they see the good works and they say, and they glorify God in that and say, God has done something great in this person's life. God has made a difference in his or her life. And I don't know what it is. I, I don't know um, how it happened, but, but understand this, living with higher standards causes people to look toward God. Causes people to look at our life and, and say, hey, there's something different. I don't know what it is. But it's obviously something supernatural, and they look toward God and look to what God has done in our life. Then go to 1 Peter chapter number 2. First Peter chapter number 2. Peter, in, uh, in this passage... Uh, sets the standards a little bit higher, a little bit deeper here. In verse number 11, he said, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Peter here is, is, is talking in this passage about us living in a world um, which doesn't understand what we live for. He calls us um, strangers and pilgrims. And, um, and as such, we ought to refrain, we ought to abstain, we ought to um, separate ourselves from those fleshly lusts, from sin. 
from, from sinful things, from sinful habits, and, uh, and, and those things, those sinful things that the world participates in. Those sinful things that your friends and your family and your coworkers might look at as being completely ordinary, completely normal. Um, it ought not to be normal for us as children of God, um, as strangers, so to speak, in this land, as Peter describes us. He, he, start, he says there in verse number 12, um, having your conversation honest. And, and, and they're right there talking about our lifestyle. Again, talking about the way um, that we live our life on an everyday basis. How we interact with employees, how we interact with our employer, how we interact with customers, how we interact with our students, um, how we interact with our family members, with our friends. Uh, we ought to make sure that it's upright, make sure it's honest, make sure it's consistent. He says, among the Gentiles. What exactly is he talking about right there? He's talking about non-believers. Uh, the, you know, this was written in a time when the Jews thought that salvation was only for the Jewish people. And they considered the Gentiles to be you know, without Christ and, and, and lost. And so that's kind of how he um, uh, describes those who are without Christ. And um, we know that in the book of Acts, God corrected uh, Peter especially and, and, and other leaders of the church that salvation is for everybody. But here he uses the word Gentiles to describe those who were, who were without Christ. And the point is that, that um, what, he's, what he's getting at, at here is that those who have rejected Christ might speak evil against you as a Christian. He says there, whereas they speak against you as evildoers. Um, some people, as you live your life different, as you live your life as salt and as light, and you're having your conversation honest among them, some people aren't going to appreciate that very much. Now, you'll have some people that, that whenever you say, um, uh, they ask you, hey, why don't you drink alcohol? You tell them, well, I'm a Christian, and I believe the Bible teaches against it. And they'll say, they'll accept that. Say, okay, I respect your decision. Some would say, okay, it's, that's not what I believe. That's, that's different than what I think. But okay, I respect your decision. Whereas um, some people might criticize, might insult. Not just for that, for other standards that you might be um, 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 live up to according to the Word of God. And in regards to the way that you speak, I'm not losing your temper or arguing or, or using foul language or, uh, or, or whatever it might be, whatever standard it might be in your life um, that you've lived up to. And they might look at you and, and say, hey, and, and criticize and critique. And, uh, and, and P Peter said, hey, that might happen in your life. Said said even those who slander, uh, who slander you, and and we and, and that's okay because they might look back and glorify God because of your testimony. As you go through life and you're and you're living as salt and as light, and and some might come alongside and criticize and 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 slander and 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 bad, bad mouth your reputation as long as you are living with that honest conversation. What do you say there at the end of, of verse number 12? He says that they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of salvation. 
You know, this happened in Paul's life where, where Paul um, uh, uh, persecuted the church. He persecuted Christians. And later on, whenever he um, uh, uh, met Christ, he accepted Christ as a Savior, what happened? He went back and he gave glory to God. He thanked God for those who had a strong Christian testimony. And Lord willing, it'll happen in your life with, with those type of people that um, uh, they will glorify God whenever they finally come to fa- uh, saving knowledge of Him. And they'll look, think back and, and thank God that, that you stood strong and, and that you had a good godly testimony in, their, in, uh, in your life. And living with higher standards causes people to appreciate the very thing they have rejected. Causes them to appreciate um, of, of the very thing that they have said no to God, they have said no to, uh, uh, to the salvation message, but hopefully um, that happens before they stand before the, before the Lord in judgment. So God clearly asks us, and, and this is only three verses, only three passages that we've looked at that God calls us to um, live in such a way that affects those around us. To live in such a way that those around us look at us and they ask why. What is different about them? They look at us, they look at our Christian life and say, um, uh, God has done something special in their life. And perhaps even after negative criticism, after, uh, um, after rejecting the Lord, they look back and they give glory to God later. Because of the testimony in which you have lived. And they all refer to our lifestyle. But what is it more specifically about our lifestyle uh, that, uh, that we need to be paying attention to? I have four major areas that really summarize what I'm talking about when it comes to the lifestyle. Um, the first thing is how we relate to those around us. Or how we treat those around us. So let me just ask you a few questions about how you relate to those around you. Do you live primarily with yourself or with others in mind? Are you, are, are you going through life just focused on yourself and focused on how you can be benefited and focused on looking out for yourself and looking out, um, taking care of yourself? Or in relation to others, are you keeping them in mind and thinking about how your testimony, how your gospel witness will affect somebody else. Uh, how do you treat those who have treated you poorly? Those who have, have done negative towards you and have said negative things towards you and have not been um, uh, polite and have not been um, uh, uh, the kindest of people, how do you treat them? How do you respond to that? They say, well, they don't, they don't deserve me to treat them with any kindness and, and with any... Uh, uh, honesty. They haven't done that with me, so why should I do that with them? Well, if we go back to Colossians 4, he said, let your speech be always with grace. Grace, meaning hey, they don't deserve it. And treating others, um, uh, treating others the right way. So those who have treated you the wrong way, that customer that came in with a bad attitude, how did you treat them? That coworker that seems to criticize you and that seems to um, uh, make life hard on you, day after day after day, they're treating you poorly, how are you interacting with them? How do you treat those closest to you? Those 
close friends, those family members, those um, co-workers that you, that you uh, uh, rub elbows with on a, on a daily basis, how are you relating to them? How are you treating them? If I were to ask them, how, how would they say your light has been shining? How do you treat those who you don't know very well? You say, well, I treat my family members really good. I treat those who um, I'm friends with really well. That's not a problem at all for me. Well, how do you treat those who you don't know very well? How do you, how do you treat that customer that, that has come in for the first time? How do you treat those coworkers that you don't know very well? They're, they're, they're usually on the other side of the shop. They're usually in the other office next door. But when you do interact with them, how do you treat them? How do you treat those who are in need? Those who um, uh, might need a little bit more love, might need a little bit more attention, might need a little bit um, stronger of a, of a testimony because they're in need. How, how do you treat them? Just simply asking you how you relate to those around you, those people that you come in contact with um, uh, personally. How do you treat them? Are you salt and light in their life? How do you treat those around you? How do, um, the second way, the second thing, part of our lifestyle, how do we reply to temptation? How do we reply to temptation? Um, ask yourself this, do I tend to rationalize or excuse sin in my life? When I'm tempted to sin and I give in to that temptation, do I rationalize that? Do I make excuses for that? Whenever you have a bad attitude at work, do you blame those around you? Well, it's so-and-so's fault. He's the one who, 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 who started it. Whenever you get a, whenever you, uh, uh, get a bad um, report at work, do you blame your boss? Do you blame the fellow employees? Do you blame others around you? Or do you take responsibility for, um, for get, having a bad evaluation? Whenever you're missing out on, on hours or promotion or whatever it might be at work, are you accepting that for yourself and taking that constructive uh, criticism uh, to improve um, yourself and improve your life at work? Or are you blaming others? Hey, it's his fault. They got it out for me. I'm never going to ever wor uh, work up the ladder here. It's just not going to work out for me. It's so-and-so's fault. It's, 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 it's so-and-so's fault. It's not my fault. How do you, do you rationalize or, or make excuse for sin in your life? Am I, ask yourself this, am I moving in the right direction concerning areas that I might be struggling in? Hey, I'm struggling with, with these areas of sin, these areas of temptation. Are you at least moving in the right direction in those areas? Do I demonstrate wisdom and choices that I make concerning gray areas? Hey, not every decision that you're going to make, not every situation that's going to come up at work or, or in your family or whatever is going to be outlined in Scripture. Not going to have a, a, a book, chapter, verse for every situation. So in those times, and other people are observing your life, how you interact in those gray areas, are you walking in wisdom in those? Are you approaching those areas uh, uh, with... Uh, pleasing God to be your number one priority or pleasing yourself and looking out for yourself in those things. Just generally speaking, what is your reputation at work or with your lost family members? 
Just generally speaking, what is your reputation? How do you reply to temptation, to sin in your life? Other people are watching. Other people see how you react to that temperamental customer. Other people are watching how you interact with that coworker who everybody knows is a headache. Everybody gr- grits their teeth and grunts whenever that person walks through the door. But you as a Christian, how are you, how are you interacting in those times? The third area I want to call your attention to is how do we react to hardship? How do we react to hardship? Do you struggle to, or do you complain when struggles come your way? Or, you know, we, we all know that our life is not going to be stru- problem-free. Life is not going to be difficult-free. So when those times of struggle, when those difficulties come into your life, how do, you, how do you react to those things? Do you complain and, 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 uh, and shut out everybody else and shut out God and shut out the church and shut out brothers and sisters and, and just sulk and, 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 and um, keep that to yourself? Do you seem overwhelmed by those difficulties? Or are you going to God and, and, and going to others for encouragement and for help? Do you make excuses or blame others when you're not as successful as you would like to be? Do you recognize that God is in the midst of those troubles just as much as he is in the midst of the times of ease and comfort? So I'm just asking you, how do you react in times of hardship? In times when, when struggles or come your way, and, and things aren't on the mountaintop. Life seems to be going through that valley because people around you are watching. And we're still called to be salt and light, even in the time of hardship. Even in the times when things aren't going our way. Um, how do you respond during those times? And then how do you respond? How do we respond to God? Do we demonstrate with our choices uh, that we value God's presence and God's people. Basically, through our actions, are we in church regularly? How do we react? How do we respond to God? Are we in church as we ought to be? Do we demonstrate humility when talking about our relationship with Him? Again, being salt, being light, other people are watching the life in which we live and they're hearing the things um, that we're saying. Is your life marked by a desire to grow in obedience toward God? Just look at each, each of these four major areas of our lifestyle. These are all areas in which we interact with other people on a daily basis. And, and, and people are watching how we relate to those around us. People are watching how we reply to temptation. They're watching how we react to hardship. And they're watching how we respond to God. So are you being salt? Are you being light? Are you having a, um, a conversation that is honest during those times? Once you think about that, pick one that right now seems to be an area that you feel God most desires you to surrender to Him. Which one of those areas do you personally struggle with? Are you personally struggling with right now? I just want you to, to think in your mind, one, two, three, or four. And maybe write that down. 
Maybe, maybe put a note in your phone or, or whatever it might be. And I encourage you to continually pray this week that God would make you into a person whose faith is contagious. Who's, who, who, particularly in that area. A person who, whom your coworkers, whom your friends and family look at your life and say, wow, they really do relate to others great around them. Or man, they really do reply to sin well. They reply to, to those difficult circumstances very well. They react well in time of hardship or they can, it's clear they respond to God um, um, in their spiritual life. And I hope that you'll have a, a, a contagious faith that is noticeable to those around you.